But here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Hello. Your co-host, Julie. I'm from the place with all the governors in jail. <laughs> your co-host, Thorsten. Hello, hello. Your co-host, Jacob. Uh, I had like three quotes for today, but uh, I realized all of them are not age appropriate. <laughs> oh, that's fine. And your co-host, David. Oh, Dave here. What was that? Oh, you're, you're cutting out a little bit, buddy. Oh, no. I told you to get that new mic. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry. Friends, welcome. We have a, a guest this week joining us from the UK. Uh, Steve Hunt of Cold Beam Games to talk about the latest in the awesome and successful series of Beat Hazard games, Beat Hazard 3, which comes out into early access, I believe, next week, right? Is that, Am I remembering that correctly? That's right, yeah, Monday the 14th. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> <It's>... um, I'm <laughs> doing good, thanks. Pretty, pretty stressed, um, <laughs> trying to get everything get everything sorted out um for for release yeah no no i think it's all going well seems to be seems to be all right oh that's great we have uh thank you for the keys we have been uh spending a good amount of time playing the new one and hot damn is this new one a a leap and a jump from the other the other two were i mean the other two were i'm not gonna say simpler but they they were more you know just strictly arcade games whereas this one Holy mackerel! <laughs> yeah, um, well, it's, I've ported the game to Unreal Engine, so now everything's properly three D. Uh, which, which, because all the the first two were sprite based, um, oh. so the looks are, you know, well, I think it looks a lot better. Obviously, because the game's a lot about lighting. Obviously, having proper three D models and shadowing makes it look a, a lot nicer. And then on that, like say on the other side of things, I've sort of ended up because uh, a lot of people always used to say, "Beat Hazard would be great with some sort of campaign mode." And I think it was you know all the way back in Beat Hazard One, I kept thinking, "Yeah, some sort of campaign mode would be really good." But uh, you know, I wasn't sure how it would work. And then I remember one day there was this sort of like idea that formed was like, "Huh, hang on a minute, music." can sort of be mapped to a galaxy where you've got an art, you know, an artist is a, a cluster of stars. A, a star is an album and the planets around the star are the tracks. And then I suddenly thought, oh, actually, yeah, that that's pretty intriguing as a, as a, a way of mapping music to something sort of more physical and explorable. Um, I knocked that idea around with a few people while I was, you know, developing Beat Hazard 2 and everyone went, like, yeah, that sounds good. And, and and then obviously it was like, well, how do you, you know, how do you make that happen? And it was like, well, is it is it sort of strictly two two D game? You could do it, um, but this is where when sort of Unreal came along because I originally ported the game to Unreal just so I could do a VR version. It was like, oh, I've got to if I take it this direction, I've got to go or three D. And obviously Unreal is there to to do all this stuff really well. Um, and that's so. That's what I ended up doing. Is almost building, I guess, a s- sort of st- 
it's almost a strategy game around the base twin stick shooter. So the game's sort of getting what was originally a relatively simple, you know, uh, twin stick shooter with music has sort of started to balloon out uh, with more features and, you know, um, a deeper sort of gameplay. So, yeah, I, and it's, I think it's working. So, so did the switch to 3D via the Unreal Engine uh, give you the idea for making the ships a bit foldable? Is that where that came from, or is that a thing? I don't remember if that was a thing from the earlier games. No, it wasn't. But the, what did fold was the, the boss system for Beat Hazard Two was a procedurally generated bosses um, made out of all these pieces. And when the boss comes in, I wanted it sort of folded up, and then it unfolds. And that all it is is that code applied to the player ship, pretty much. Um, and I just did it for a bit of fun. It was like, well, oh, what happens if you fold my 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 own ship? And it looked so cool. I was like, oh, I've got to use this for something. Um, and obviously, this is—I mean, this is game design. How it works is—you is, know—you don't tend to sort of fully design a game and then make it. There's lots of things that just come to mind as you sort of developing and go, oh. And that's where Dark Beam came in then, which is like, what well, fold your ship up, which was really handy for dodging stuff. And it felt a bit more, I can do, maybe I can do more with this. Um, that's where the Dark Beam came in. And the shield was like, well, have a Dark Beam. That, that can do something new. Uh, and this, you know, so it's like, well, let's use it to take down shields. Uh, and also you can u- destroy incoming energy weapons, which within, with the first two beat hazards, you just had to dodge those. There wasn't really anything else you could do with them. Or put your shield up. Um, so now there's like you know, it's suddenly introduced a whole new sort of play system into the game, um, just because uh, you know I got a bit of fold code and applied it to the player ship instead of the boss ship. Yeah, I didn't know that folding could shoot the particle weapons with the dark beam. I didn't know that. Ah, yeah. Well, that that caught a lot of people out because there's there's and in fact I actually put some code in that if there's a boss with shields on and you don't fold your ship within 10 seconds, it actually just flashes the text over the top saying, fold your ship to take down the shields. Um, because I know, like, you know, because a lot of people, if the play beat has one and two, um, are probably going to go in there, and they're just not, you're not going to realise that you can do that, even though it's in the instructions somewhere. Obviously, you don't tend to read all that to start with. Um, so, yeah, it's there's, there's some sort of in-game prompts to try and help people figure that out. Yeah, there would be an expectation for those who played the first two, definitely, to just pound it with your weapons and yeah. notice that it's not doing a thing. Shoot yeah. thing yeah. until yeah. thing. Like shoot thing until till thing dies is a tried and true gaming tradition. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hyperdemon reference. Uh, I mean. <laughs> But uh, no, I, I really like I, I I really like the uh, the new folding ability. Um, it, it definitely adds a nice fun wrinkle to the gameplay, which I'm going to use a lot more that I, now that I know it takes out particle weapons because I was just trying to dodge them, like in the other games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm, in fact, today I was just literally um, doing the instructions for the game, uh, so they'll be in game, um, so you can sit and read about it uh, because it's. You know, it, things like instructions sort of can get left to the to to the last minute, which I have sort of done. But yeah, it's a uh, it'd be a shame if people, you know, just that one little bit of information can make a big difference on on how well you can play the game. Um, so I need to try and get that across. 
um, uh, to you know people coming into it. Yeah, because like I'm gonna I'm gonna play more now that I know I can do that. <laughs> well, particularly those, I don't know if you've seen those, those like massive like photons now, which are which are bigger than you are. And if yeah, if you can't using dark beam to take those down is pretty easy, but if you're actually trying to dodge them all the time, it can be a yeah a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> it should make should make it a bit easier now. Yeah, no, I I appreciate that there are more tools in the toolbox. Uh, yeah, for the player, which I really like. Um, so so how is like how did you come up like with the the programming to make the map happen? Because it's very elegant. Like I've been using it for with my local tracks, and uh, it's just it it works so well. And I just want to know like what kind of challenge that was putting that together. The actual galaxy. Um. So, the way that, um, have you heard of MD5 hash? You know no, I have not. Like, there's hashing, so you can you can take, um, it's a really old algorithm, you can take any piece of text or any bit of data, shove it through an MD5 hash, and it produces a 64-character um, code. And if you change just one little thing, this is used for cryptography, by the way. If you change one little, even one letter in that, and what you put in, you get a completely different code. So what the game does, it takes the title of the track and the duration and the artist, shoves that into an MD5 hash. You get basically a load of garbage uh, numbers out. But then I use that to then map it to a position in a galaxy. So I I then so, so turn that into a number, say, for example, between... 0 and 100, and you say, well, 0 is in the middle, and 100 is on the edge, and then you get another 100, and then you get another bit and say, let's do it from, say, 0 to 360 degrees, so that tells you where, what angle you're at. So then you get a sort of a distribution of um, artists within a within a circle, and then I apply, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, when you, pin, uh, when, you, when you change the form of the galaxy, I pinch that distribution to then form arms and then twist it. So it's actually, I don't know if I'm making this sound complicated, but it's actually not that crazily complicated, the whole thing. Um, and I was really pleased with how it worked because, it, like you say, it's one of these things that initially I'm like, well, um, you know, how do you take a whole load of arbitrary artists and make it into a, you know, a uniform-looking galaxy? But yeah, the... The reason it works so well is because this MD5 hash is essentially random. So you can then, it doesn't really matter what you put in, you get a nice even distribution out, which you can then map into a galaxy form. Does that make sense? It does. To me, at least, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so no, it does make sense, uh, mostly. <laughs> they mostly come out at night. <laughs> mostly. Um no, oh, no, I, no, no, I hate that. No, no, I can't I I I mostly get it. I just think it's just it does it so well. You know, it does such a great job of taking all this yeah. disparate data. Like cause I don't have all my uh cause cause not all I, I, I pulled in my local tracks and they don't all have artists. All these all these like MP3s I ripped from game CDs like thirty yeah. years ago don't have artists or in meta tags and stuff. 
but it still did a really good job of, of pulling all that information, even from uh, files that don't have that data into a very believable galaxy that I had fun flying around with my mothership. Uh, yeah. And I, I also, definitely- sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, there's, de- yeah, there's definitely some improvements to be made because there's some, sometimes you can end up with a whole load of um, stars with one planet around them. And I sort of wanted to put some code in that scoops those together. So instead of having loads, and like, you might have 50 stars all with one planet. I did notice that. Night. Yeah, I did notice a uh, couple yeah, of those. Yeah. Go out. yeah, I wanted to do sort of like a, a sweep through the galaxy after it's done it and then collect up any sort of, sort of if there's too many sort of one planet system sort of scoop those together because uh, a few of the people said the same thing they've got um a lot of music which doesn't have album data so i was going to be i was going to have another checkbox that sort of said ignore albums and make your own what it would do is get it would sort of make pseudo albums it was you know if it is if an artist got 100 tracks for example it could gather those up in some fashion and just make its own sort of albums from from that uh from that data and it's interesting because, you know, you think, you know, I've got my own music collection. I think, oh, this is representative of what everyone else uses. And then you find out that there's people that listen to, say, loads of, uh, you know, uh, Japanese-style music, and they just have a completely different format, and they don't even really use albums. And I was like, oh, didn't expect that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a bit of, bit of tweaking to be done on, on the algorithm, but it, um, it shouldn't be... Uh, too big a deal. Yeah, to, um, well, yeah. Like for me, I've got everything organized by folder, and like with, for example, um, with the tracks I imported, I have the tracks organized by by game, because so, it's my right. game soundtrack yeah. series. So like, I've got the Assassin's Creed folder, and yeah. and in that Assassin's Creed series folder, I've got all the Assassin's Creed uh, soundtracks. So I don't even organize by album or artist. I organize by game. Um, so I that's what somebody somebody did ask for that, saying, "Can you use the folder name instead of the metadata, um, which would be doable as well?" Oh, great! Yeah, great. yeah um, you know, because um, yeah, and I think that moving forward, this is the interesting again, like early access is to is to find out what, how people you know, organize their music because you know I sort of start with the assumption that yeah, well, everyone will have have it like me. For some reason, I'd be like, oh, each folder's got an artist, and then you know you, you bang the albums in there. But yeah, some people go, I've just got it all in one folder. I've got thirty gigs worth of music oh, in a single folder. Oh god, no, 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 no. Yeah. I, I, oh god, no, <laughs> I could not do that. Oh, how do you? No, <laughs> how do you find any? Okay, folders at least, please. <laughs> yeah, just, just something, just, just alphabetical by whatever. I don't yeah. know something. Yeah. Okay, well, if that's that sounds if that sounds like something you could add, that would be terrific. Because yeah, I've got everything organized by folder. Because uh, I, 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 I noticed there are like you said a lot of like a lot of people I know who have PCs. They can organize things by folder or by uh, artist. But I noticed a lot of people who have Macs, they organize stuff by artist and then and then yeah. playlists because it's a different it's a different beast over there, you know, on yeah. Macs. So uh so giving people options is is great. And you already have so many. And, and admittedly, I do I do find it interesting that you've managed to make uh external programs work well enough. Uh, I spotted that. 
Yes, I use Spotify extensively because uh, my dad decided to pick uh, to pick mu- uh, music producer as his midlife crisis, and he got a family size Spotify subscription. So I went, eh, sorted. I guess I'll use it. Uh, so that's where all my music is. And I was genuinely worried when I first saw the game. Well, literally ninety eight percent of my music is on Spotify. How the hell do I make this work? And apparently, there's an open mic mode, which is serviceable. Yeah. 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 Open mic mode has been in for quite a while since uh since two, right? Yeah. You know, I was in it was in two. Um and the the big cause this is the big thing with uh, you know, obviously you've got a music driven game and you know, with B has one, it was MP3s forever. Um, you know, and then came to do B as a two a few years later, I'm like, oh, I mean you got some people don't even know what an MP three is because they just never <laughs> they just stream. And it was like uh, you know, Mike, is this game going to just die? Because, you know, H. people, that was a big worry for me. I was like, well, you know, I need to try and figure out a way of of, of addressing that. And um, one of the things that's, that most people don't know is that you sort of assume that you could just integrate Spotify. I mean, I've had so many emails saying, why don't you just integrate Spotify? And the thing is, if, if you're a commercial product, there's just no way. There's, there's lots of, you can apply to Spotify to, to do it properly but if you're a little indie game like i am and i've seen lots of other games try and integrate spotify they're just not interested which is fine you know that you know their api is apparently their api is apparently notoriously difficult to work with yeah well but then you've also got the fact that not everyone uses spotify there's loads of people that hate it and they go i use youtube i use my apple um and that the amazing thing was i sort of stumbled across this little app that could listen in on what's coming out of your speakers like it intercepts the output and then you can then then you, and you can grab it and i was like no way and it's just part of windows i never even knew and that's when we beat hazard 2 that's where open mic came from it's just a system where you go um just listen to what's coming out of the speakers essentially and then play to that um so although it's a bit clunky admittedly but the upside to it is you can use anything you know it doesn't matter what streaming yes. service it is uh, whether it's YouTube or um, which is you know, which is the great thing about it, yeah. Um, and then I discovered yeah, anything that the thing will actually recognize, which isn't always a guarantee. But unless you're going for like really obscure stuff, uh, it should work. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this ACR is basically Shazam. It's like Shazam, but someone else has done it, and the game fingerprints the track, the first few seconds of the track, sends it off to a server. And then it goes, right, it's this song, but it's not 100%. And obviously, because it's only the first few seconds, you might get a lot of songs that are different length, but all start the same. So it can mm-hmm. it can go wrong. But I there do have... Some, for some reason, I remember a couple, I had a couple of issues where a song like was detected properly, but for some reason, yeah. kept playing for like... Te- like kept The game, the mission kept playing for like 10 to 15 seconds after the song had ended properly. Yeah, yeah. So there's, 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 there's like a few the issues jank. like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most jank I would yeah. like. Uh, I've seen from that. Can I just, can I just say, um, I found perhaps uh, an unusual use for the open mic thing because here's the problem is now, while I am not photosensitive to the point where I will have seizures 
I had a headache within the first few minutes and I couldn't find a way to turn off the strobing lights. And then it occurred to me, I can turn on the open mics and then shut the mic off. And so I could just enjoy the game otherwise. And, uh, but I do wish there was a way to, to shut. I, I understand that's the whole point of the game, but as just as a shooter, I really enjoy the game. But what we talked about this uh, before the show, uh, David and I, and he can. I got this from him, and he said that. No, I just. I just used the music that was came with the game, but uh, if I had spent more time with that, I would have used my own music. And he said that, well, when you die, that resets the music. And my first thought was, nobody interrupts a Keith Richards guitar riff for anything. <laughs> and uh, I would like to see that option, you know, and I, I said, just keep playing the music. And I understand the, 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 the photosensitive thing is just my problem, but uh, I wish there was some kind of adjustment with the game that in the, in the settings, uh, sorry, when you, um, when you play a track on the far east right hand side, there is a, there is a visual intensity setting which you can turn down to fifty percent. Did did you try that? No, I didn't. I did not see that it was there. Uh, so no. I just, I just, and also what I do appreciate was the fact that for as I have been accused of being before a filthy casual gamer, although I'm not necessarily a dirty person, uh, but mm. uh, I appreciate there was a difficulty setting, and after. <laughs> Seeing in the uh, chant here about difficulty and turning it way up, I said, you know, I'm going to start it out with casual and just enjoy myself. Yeah. And I really yeah. appreciated that. Well, yeah. I mean, you've had a couple of hours on the head there. One is this game is supposed to be you enjoying your music and shooting to it. Now, if if the feedback, the visual feedback's too much. Then, I mean, there is a way of turning it down, but if you turn it down and it's still a problem, let me know, because um, I'm sort of used to it being on full. So when I play it on minimum, I sort of go, eh, it looks a bit rubbish, but it might, to some other people, be too much. So I'd like to try and get that sorted, because I don't want to exclude... I mean, yeah, the game is about crazy visuals to music, but I don't really want to exclude anyone from playing it uh, in a way they want to play it. Um and secondly, was like the difficulty. I mean, there is there is a chill out mode where uh, you just get infinite lives. I mean, you, don't, you, you your scores don't get submitted to the leaderboard, but you just you just play, and it's you know, yeah. dying doesn't matter, and you just go through the track and, and enjoy yourself. And uh, this is, you know, this is the whole point of the game. It's supposed to be fun to music, and fun to some people is it being rock hard, and fun to other people is I don't I don't want to be stressed. I want to just shoot things and enjoy myself and yes and that's it. So and i need to get that balance right if it's not i'm ha- i'm happy i don't need to have the strobing lights i'm happy with just playing a shooter that i have fun with at the casual yeah. setting and listening to zz top uh yeah. lagrange inherently respectable <laughs> yeah yeah and and to to further the point the game itself shouldn't be a barrier to that. So it's good that this is being brought up before the the early access starts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a few people have said it 
in Behaz 1 and 2. And I've always um, thought it was of lower setting enough to be fine. Um, but this is where it's, it's good to get feedback because if it's not, then, you know, I can. It's, it's not a big deal to, to almost drop it to the point where, yeah, there is no strobing. I mean, the, the bullets will still fire in time with the music, so you'll you still get that element. Uh, and the ships will still move in, in time with the music, but you won't, yeah, the flashing part can just be taken out. So I guess a bullet would just always look the same no matter what the music's doing. Yeah, I'm, I am actually, like I said, I'm not photosensitive to the point where, like other people might, where I get, like, seizures. But, you know, yeah. it's just, I get, I will get a headache if it goes on long enough and if it's bright enough. And so, but, you know, I'm okay with the bullet hells, with the bright bullets and all the rest. But, you know, so I just said, okay, well, I'll, I'll turn it off and enjoy the game. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, I'll definitely look at that. Definitely. So I was curious about how uh, how Spotify uh, integrated into the map mode. I'm I'm fascinated with the map mode. I love it so much. I'm I'm ride or die for this new map mode. I I I love it so much. Um, when I was playing it, I, I don't have a Spotify account. So when I was playing it, I just chose a bunch of random genres. Uh, it doesn't load. It didn't load up the whole song though. Is that a thing? Like, do I need to sign up to a Spotify account to get like? Yeah, almost- you would. Yeah, um, well, there's a couple of things. One is, yeah, you, you need a Spotify account, uh, okay. but it, you can get a free one. Like ninety nine point nine percent of the tracks in the galaxy, oh. you can just play for free. Oh, so you have to so actually to sign pay. into Spotify. That was the problem. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah if you're getting, yeah, if it's cutting if off, you, and it's if you don't have an account, it will just show previews. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I have an account. Free account. Yeah, I have an account. I just hadn't signed in. So that was my that, that, that was my failure. That was my failure. Okay. All right. Well, uh, the one thing that might happen on a free account is you will get ads. They don't happen like during songs. They might happen at the beginning. I've not had that, and and I think I know why. When I when I launch the browser, I do an embedded version of the track. I don't think I've never. I mean, I've played a lot. I've never had an advert with it, hmm. so I think that dodges it by by saying this is an embedded. Um, Wait, yeah, don't I know, tell, I know. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. Wait, there's an embedded player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When also, you, you like enter it, if you like enter it to someone else's like Galaxy thing, it embeds the player, and you don't have to like drag it out from your own Spotify. It's, 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 I've, never, it's, not actually, I've not actually tried the campaign map because it seemed too convoluted for me. Uh, oh, no, it, it, lo- it, testing. it loads the track in a browser in an embedded version, and then you start the track, and then it starts the level in the game. Yeah. I got it. Got it. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't use the Spotify app. Yeah, it just does it in a browser. <laughs> but someone came up with a really good idea as well, which was to be able to choose the service that you want and then instead of launching spotify you just stick the details of the track and launch a search uh in youtube music or apple music and normally the top one will be the right song anyway so you just play on that and i thought it was a great idea because then it meant um you would then be able to transition from even though all the data is based on spotify the player that you actually use in open mic can be whichever one you want i thought that was a really good idea and something that i want to 
Oh, I need to pull out. I feel like it will take some fiddling throughout the the early act period, and I feel that's if you could take the most effort. If you could do that though, because I use Apple Music, if you could do that, that would be. I mean, I'm not. I don't have a problem like having a free Spotify account as long as I'm not giving them money. But um, but um, you're not even giving adverts either, so you double (laughs) even better. Yay! <laughs> Nothing's going to Joe Rogan. Woohoo! All right. Uh, <laughs> wasn't Joe Rogan booted off Spotify or am I like? No, he wasn't. Yet? A lot of people left, including myself, because of him. Not to get oh, I political. Um, not to not to get too political, but uh, so so okay. That explains Bro, a just, lot. I was just getting my facts straight. Okay, no, it's fine. Anyways, I'm go. I'm gonna create some more galaxies now that I know this because. So far, I've only been using my local tracks, like the original games. But now that, uh, yeah. but you have this amazing browser for the map that lets you choose all these artists and all these genres and and everything. And it it really, I I was just playing with it. I just created a map based on like rock and power pop and a couple other things, and it created this really great map with all these great songs. I just didn't know I needed to log in. I was like, what is happening? Uh, but now now yeah, that, that, that definitely help. <laughs> God darn it. <laughs> so uh, I have a question about that, actually. Uh, you can play together on the same map with, with your friends. Oh, so good how point. Is yeah. That, how is that supposed to work uh, with sharing the galaxy? So this is where the, the game has got a database of 5 million Spotify tracks built into it. So when you create a galaxy using that data... You can lead in, in the in the galaxy creation window. You can tick Spotify tracks only, which then makes that galaxy shareable. Because if I if I go here's my you know, here's a load of Spotify uh, artists that I'm going to play with, I can then share that with you because you've got the same database. So it wouldn't obviously work with your local music because everyone's got different local music. But if yeah, if you create a a Spotify only galaxy, then it's all shareable. And then once you publish it, it comes up with an ID, which um, mm-hmm. you, just, you know you give to your friends and they can join. And then because the state of the galaxy is saved in a database, you can have, in theory, an unlimited number of people in that galaxy all playing together. And we've I've stress tested it up to, I think, about 40 or 50 people all going nuts in a single galaxy. And it seems to work. I'm no doubt during early access will, will find some uh, some issues with it. But I thought it was quite an interesting um, sort of place to be with in terms of what to do with that as as a as an idea, because they're like, well, we could have you know PvP galaxies, we could have PVE galaxies, we could have you know um, f- factions in galaxies. Um, you know, there's there's loads of stuff that you could do with it. Um, at the moment, it's just sort of an open sandbox where you can join a galaxy and you go around capturing stuff. But there's no more structure to it than that at the moment. Um, but I'm quite looking forward to adding some some more interesting rules to make it more playable. Okay, that sounds amazing. That's <laughs> whoever, whoever gets uh, number one of the leaderboard. <laughs> yeah. And if I mean, you get it for your faction, then, uh, then supposedly your faction takes it. Yeah. And... Because B Hazard Two, I added the the sort of challenge mode where it, it had a track that you had to get the high score on within four hours or twenty four hours. For B Hazard Three, I wanted to do galaxy challenges where you go: this galaxy is going to exist for say a week or a month, 
and during that time there's a there's some sort of battle goes on in that galaxy and, and at the month at the deadline you know one side wins and one side loses and all the winners get something cool um and i thought that'd be quite good as well is having these sort of temporary galaxies that get created by the game and then it creates a rule set uh, and then you join and try and you know whatever it happens to be that week you try and achieve uh, achieve the goals so kind of like the rundown in gtfo what's that i've not i've not played that Okay, uh, it was, at least um, when it was planned, it was going to have some kind of weekly uh, campaign levels that uh, switches around every now and then. Yeah, along those lines, yeah. That's okay. the sort of Ooh. thing where you might have special rules like uh, certain uh, extra weapons are banned from from being equipped. Uh, sort of yeah. like the, 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 ch- the, shadow, uh, the shadow challenges that you had in... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's 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 so much that you could do with it. Um, I think that's you know where this is where it can be um, pretty interesting, um, and that all comes back to I was going to say about the Spotify stuff is those five million tracks. What I was doing was keeping an eye on every time someone played a Spotify track in Beat Hazard Two. I wrote it to a database, so I had a list of the typical music that Beat Hazard 2 players like. I then used the Spotify API to say, you know, give me information about these artists and artists like them and then stick it in the database. So I'm hoping that the the 5 million tracks is not arbitrary. It's actually based on the sort of music that that current players actually like. Um, So hopefully it won't all be just... um, Weird stuff. I tell you what, though, there's the, the, after trawling Spotify, some of the uh, some of the music that comes back is when some of the, there's a list of something like two thousand different genres, and some are so um, weird. <laughs> 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 Just like one album with this one genre, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> like May, Maypole dancing. Sort of mixed with heavy metal genre, and you're going, "What? (laughs) (laughs) Don't say what? I just tested it." (sighs) So amazing. (laughs) So now I want to talk about uh, the ships because the ships are now are procedural, and you can get new ships at least in the galaxy mode when you conquer a planet. Uh, that works in arcade mode too. Oh, really? In arcade mode, it's yeah. yeah, it's when you complete a song. Yep. It's song dependent. Oh, so that's great. Tell, like, it seems like the same hash that's used to like determine what song is what is used to uh, uh, build the ship from it. Is that is that correct? Is yes. that correct? Yeah. Yes, that's right. The, okay, the that's hash, delightful. Yeah, the hash of the song is used in all sorts of places because it's really useful. One is the leaderboard. I use that hash value to so to save. The, the the high scores for that track and then I use that hash value to generate um the ship which I don't know man I can't even so sixty is it thirty two byte number would probably give you more combinations than there are atoms in the universe. I think probably way more than that. So the number of ships that you could potentially have is you know like almost like essentially infinite I would have thought. <laughs> and and in campaign mode that becomes especially tricky because your mothership which I also want to talk about at some point your mothership can only hold so many ships 
You know, at least a first. You can add more hangers. You can add more hangers. Absolutely. But... And then upgrade them too. Oh, yeah. you, oh, you can upgrade each hanger to hold more ships as well as having more yeah. hangers. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> didn't notice that. storage, baby. Yeah. Wow. Okay. People love to collect the ships. I mean, some people have got a collection of over like a thousand ships. And I didn't, wow. although like, I wanted to have the mothership and like, here's where your ships live. But I actually made the hangers super cheap and easy to upgrade. So if you oh. want to go crazy and have a massive collection, I don't want to stop people going, like, oh, you can't, you know, there's not enough space. You need to throw it away. Um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to make keep that barrier low so you're not, you're not getting annoyed with, I've got this beautiful ship I've just unlocked and I've got, I can't keep it or I've got to get rid of a different one to, to make room for it. Um, there's a little bit of that at the start, but it's so easy to collect a bit of scrap and then upgrade your hanger and add more. Um, that it shouldn't be an issue. I mean, I've got, I think I've got five double upgraded, uh, fully upgraded hangers, and I've got room for about 400 chips. So that keep me going for a while. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me. I would just, I would catch them all, basically. I would yeah. just want to catch yeah, them. Yeah. All. yeah. <laughs> the, the trick is to upgrade when you are about three or four away from your maximum. Yeah. That way you're, able to spend the scrap elsewhere and not worry too much about it yeah yeah uh, and how do you get scrap remind me how do you get scrap so when you blow up some of the biggest ships they'll leave these little black um sort of shiny blobs of metal and then you can just collect those up oh is um, that what that is i was avoiding it yeah, yeah i know i know a lot of people are going oh, i was trying not to hit it i thought they were asteroids so this is whether i should change the way that looks or just again, I will. I, I will. I will admit there. There were many times where there were things that were like shining blue and gold, and I'm like, should I take yeah. those or should I avoid yeah. those? Like I was yeah. not really clear on what was a projectile that was going to kill me, and a collectible. I don't. Yeah, I've, yellow is the fusion fuel, and blue is the uh, the full drive fuel, and then right. the black is the scrap. Yeah. That's uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was not very clear, so I was like, "What do I avoid and what do I take?" I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and from what I saw, you only get scrap when you are in arcade mode, but you get the other two as well when you're in galaxy mode. Yeah, well, here, here's something I can run past you then, because I've I've been trying to figure this one out. Is the mothership is global, so every when you start a new galaxy, you don't obviously have to start with a with a new mothership. That makes sense. That you know. I built oh. this cool mothership up. No, do it again. Yeah. You can oh, have multiple, yeah, you can have multiple galaxies, but only one mothership. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Pretty great, actually. I like that. Yeah. So, but say you're in a galaxy, right, and you need fuel to move, and you've collected some fuel. Should that fuel be for that galaxy only, or if you went to another galaxy that you're playing, is that fuel usable between galaxies, or is it? fixed into the galaxy that you collect from from my brain it sounds like since the ship itself is persistent the fuel should also be persistent that's that's how my brain that's how my galaxies yeah yeah like if you're because the fuel the way i see it it's kind of like a multi-dimensional spaceship and the fuel that you take is coming with you um that that that's how my brain works at least um that's interesting because this is where it's like you know, good game design versus sort of being sort of anal about how it sort of what makes sense. See, to me, it's like, oh, because this 
because this spaceship is in this galaxy, then the fuel you collect in that galaxy should only belong to that galaxy. Um, when you go to a different one, um, you've got a different fuel. And, but, um, but the scrap, the problem is, is the scrap is, is global. The scrap is so like, well, Hang on. So I've got one resource that's global and two other resources that are per galaxy, and it just feels wrong to me. It and does. Yet, that, struggling. Yeah, that does seem, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that does seem like, why aren't they all persistent? They should either like all be yeah. persistent or not. Well, anyway. this is it. Then I just sort of go, like, I'm just being too anal about that. I need to just go. It, the, the reason I sort of stuck to it that way is because in my mind, I was thinking that there might be parts of um, um, a planetary system where you can collect all the uranium fuel, another part where you can collect the sort of fold crystals. And that the rocks at the moment are just distributed evenly. Well, I quite like the idea of like, no, maybe near the sun that you get more fold crystals, or further out where it's cold, you get more uranium, or something along those lines. Mm. And I was thinking, oh, because if you could sort of farm it in one galaxy and then use it in another, it felt a bit like cheating. Like you could have one galaxy where I just farm the uranium and then hop over to another galaxy and then use it. I thought, oh, it feels a bit, but I'm like, maybe I'm just really overthinking it and go, it doesn't matter. If you want to do that, that's fine. It really doesn't matter. I mean, as long as the player's having fun and. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. This is- well, let me uh, let me throw an idea here, uh, just just as a thought. If you're going to have weekly challenges with the galaxies, then maybe in that case, whatever you have fuel wise doesn't carry over. So you do have to earn it within that galaxy, but it's only within that challenge. Otherwise, it's untouched. Right. Yeah. I could see that working as more of a everybody starts it on on fair footing because yeah. it's a challenge. Well, if it was yeah. a challenge, wouldn't they maybe start at the very basic with the very basic mothership as well? Like not even your personal mothership. You'd start off with like a very a basic model and upgrade it through the challenge. Bit- what I mean is that when you're in that galaxy, if it's a, ge- a galaxy that's just been generated for the challenge, then you'd still have to earn the fuel to move. Unless you are carrying it with you, if now if you play on your own and then you join an online galaxy, you shouldn't have to. And you're joining with your friends, you shouldn't have to grind in the same planetary system in order to be able to move out and start joining them. If you see you, what you I'm saying, you fit it right. That that's the bit I don't like because a few people have said. I've got. I've gone to a planet. So there's only one planet in the system. I'm having to play the song five or six times just to get the fuel to get out. And you go, I don't like that. That's no good. No. Um, yeah. This no. is like you go. I, I like the idea of collecting resources and using them. But you, yeah, you absolutely do not want to have to keep playing the same track just for that reason. And if the if the resources were more universal, you could just drop into arcade mode, for example, and go. I'll oh, just play a bit in arcade, get some fuel. And then go back to my galaxy. Oh, that's you were saying as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, if but if it's an online challenge, it does seem to make sense to ring fence it in that case. Yeah, I agree. I agree, a hundred percent. Like, like, yeah, yeah. like, like. I love the idea of grinding arcade mode to get out of a pickle or make uh, make galaxy mode a, a little maybe less challenging or something. Or, yes. or you can yeah. get around get the galaxy a little easier. But yeah, the challenge, like you said, should be completely fenced off 
I think, yeah. like, I think that should be completely fenced off in its own thing entirely, like different mother, like a different, like that, that could be part of the challenge is you're starting with this specific mothership. Well, how do how do you cope in this galaxy with this mothership? Like, it's not the yeah, one you've nice. tweaked, you know? You know? I never even thought of that. But that's actually quite, I mean, you could have, yeah, either you all start with the basic ship and you can get the biggest, or yeah, maybe in the galaxy, maybe here's a mothership. It's, you know, of some size, and you've just got to use it. Pre-generated. Yeah, exactly. Like you have to deal with this galaxy with this mothership yeah. uh, for yeah. this week. So, so yeah. it doesn't even touch yeah. your stuff. It's completely a separate thing. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I th- I th- and then everyone starts on that footing. Everyone starts with that. Yeah. And yeah. and goes from there. Everyone starts on the same, like from the same starting line, basically. Um, yeah, definitely. That sounds great. Uh, you, that sounds awesome. Yeah, that does sound good. Yeah. <laughs> you know well, when I when I started yeah, galaxy yeah. mode, I started and and I I put myself in a system where I thought, okay, well, there's there's only one track here. I didn't realize when I first started that your jump range was going to be that limited, and so yeah. I ended up in that same rut that you just mentioned about. Yeah. You have to grind the same planet or planets in, in just a small area before you can actually move out. Yeah. So I generated a second galaxy and I didn't have that problem because mm. I was more judicious about where I started. Oh, well, good, good for you. I'm glad you did that because but, but they've just exposed the, yeah, the, the, the thing from a, a gameplay point of view, you absolutely do not want, um, you don't want to be stuck somewhere grinding, you know, because it's, it's, you know, you've got this galaxy to explore. It's great. I don't want to be stuck here, just going around in circles. Um, Yep. So yeah, I mean that a solution would be um, to sh- to be able to you know drop into arcade mode, collect some resources, um, also have less systems with only one planet. Um, but yeah, it's it's all it's not about making you know, you, yeah. It needs to be fun, and you, and you go and explore. I don't want people to stuck in in the corner of a you know a, this huge galaxy and not go anywhere, and then and then quit out because the, you know they're annoyed with it. <laughs> Yeah, I got stuck in uh, my galaxy yesterday, and I didn't really know how to get out. But I didn't, I, yeah. I didn't really understand the fuel system, and I didn't know you could replay a planet uh, in order to get more fuel. I did not know that. Um, yeah. But but now that I do, I feel like a little more confident being able to. I'll probably just generate a new one with Spotify tracks this time after I freaking sign into Spotify. <laughs> 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 the, the, the trick that I found, Brian, is to use arcade mode to to get a lot of scrap, mm. and then you upgrade your mothership, and then you jump back into galaxy mode, and then you jump back in with the upgraded. Oh, you can do that. You can. So wait, oh, you, can, yes. you can from the main menu. You can play arcade mode, gather scrap that way, use it to upgrade your mothership from the main menu, then jump into a gal. Oh wow. Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, that, well, that's, that's terrific. That's what I ended up doing. That's terrific. And okay. Very effective. I, I, that's that's a great that that is the kind of gameplay loop I love, where you have multiple ways to deal with like I'm low on fuel. I'll just you know play a couple of fun tracks to get some scrap yeah. or something you know, and then jump back in. You know that sounds oh, like. Granted, the, granted, you're not getting uh, the full fuel or uranium in arcade right. mode. Not right. the moment anyway, but if that is an option later, then that is absolutely going to work for 
for anyone who's stuck because then they don't have to just grind the same planets in in one solar system they can just go into arcade mode play whatever tracks they want to and then come back in with an upgraded ship and then jump out of wherever they were quote unquote stuck yeah. and i just say um i know this may be patently obvious to people who've played the previous games but uh, did you do the artwork yourself or do you have a, an artist that did it because I just no, no one yet has complimented you on the artwork like the three dimensional artwork especially and I, no, I you're absolutely right we should. Not, it's one of the first things I notice when I'm playing a game and I guess I know a lot of people say oh well you know it doesn't matter how the game looks as long as the gameplay is is fun but you know that's something that when it's so eye-catching like it is with this game, you know, and you look at a planet and you say, well, that looks like it was just taken by the Hubble Space Telescope. Uh, I really liked it, and I was just curious who does your artwork. Um, sort of me. So, I've, yeah, pretty much done it myself. The, the 3D spaceships are um, ships that I've bought off CG Trader. So you can buy packs of spaceships. So the, the maiden textured, which is great, um, but what then I do is take them into Blender, I cut them into pieces, um, then label the joints, bring them into Unreal, and then throw them at the, the procedural generation system. So I can sort of label, these. this is a cockpit, it's got positions for wings here, here, and here, it's got positions for struts and engines. So there's markers on all these objects where you could potentially clip things in. And then the procedural system will go, all right, start with a random cockpit, I'll put a, you know, a random wing here, and it's essentially uh, recurses down, puts things at a different angles, different scales, and different items, and bolts together like a unique spaceship. So the so I didn't do the art. So the 3D art is, is done by someone else, which I, which I purchased, um, and then and then chopped up. The planetary stuff um, is just mainly high-res textures of, I don't know if I really want to tell you, but like mud, marble, just gent concrete, and then I put it into Photoshop, turned it into a polar coordinate texture, which then means it can get mapped to a sphere, and then did a lot of layering to sort of mix, you know, uh, three or four different textures together in a shader, and then put a cloud layer on, and then a, an atmosphere layer to then make a planet, um, which took a long time. I mean, there's loads of stuff on how to make planets in Unreal, but a lot of them are really complicated. Like, you, they look great, but it's not very good for real-time rendering. So I had to try and simplify all that and get something that looked reasonably good, but could be rendered in real-time. Um, well, it, had, it certainly is effective, and I, I thought it uh, I thought it looked spectacular. Oh, thanks. I agree. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm pretty surprised. Uh, I, I, like, I like that you did that. I w- honestly, I wished more... People would like to do that. Uh, just this, this, this use of, of randomizing uh, uh, certain certain assets as, as uh, for gameplay mechanics is, is, is simply great. Got yeah, I, mean, that, I really got to applaud you. Thanks. I mean, I, I'm, to be honest, it, when I first went 3D and I got all the bits of ships and chopped them up and put them together. The first one I did look just looked like a mess, and I was like, "Oh no, this is not going to work." Um, but with a bit of tweaking and messing around, I was actually—I'm sort of genuinely surprised myself when I look at a spaceship and go, 
actually looks really good. It looks sort of designed, even though it's essentially random bits thrown together. I mean, it's, you know, the algorithm itself has been tweaked a lot to try and generate something that looks designed. Um, but it's one of those weird... So it's a bit like the Galaxy thing as well. Sometimes you write a bit of code thinking, well, this is what I want, but I'm not 100% sure I'm going to achieve it. And sometimes you look and go, actually, it's pretty good, that. <laughs> you know, you sort of surprise yourself a bit that you can you can get certain things working. I mean, I, I mean, I love... You know, things like genetic algorithms, procedurally generated stuff and recursive algorithms I've, and all that side of things. That's why I, I try and throw it all into into my games because I just find it fascinating what what an algorithm can create where with a bit of, you know, a bit of thought and a bit of tweaking. It's it's pretty amazing. And obviously, you know, I'm I'm sort of, I'm not really an artist, so I rely on my code to sort of generate the art for me, um, which is sort of the approach I've taken. Well, well it, no complaints here. No, no complaints. It's, oh, it's no, absolutely a, not. It, Julie was right to bring that up. It is an absolutely gorgeous game, and I do love the ship designs. They are just bonkers in the best way. Now, I did want to ask about <laughs> something that just that came up uh, for me, at least, is the um, the level the leveling system, the kind of light RPG system, like because it looks like uh, you you level as a player, but also your ships level up as well yes it looks like how yeah. does how does that progression work exactly um in beat hazard 2 each ship had it was just a level that was it and the level really didn't mean anything it just it's just a way of oh you yeah, know this this ship now elite level but it didn't 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 actually um give you anything but there were four missions and if you did two of those missions it would unlock a module and that module you could then add to any other spaceship to tweak its the way it um, either flew or handled or, or the weapons it had. Um, this time, I want to sort of make it a bit more interesting so that as you level your ship up, it does have some sort of meaning and that there are... I mean, at the moment, we've got the, the basic weapon slots where you can decide which weapons go in which slots, but I really like the idea of... Um, if you add a certain weapon, you actually see it on the spaceship. Like at the moment, if you add, say, uh, micro-missiles to the ship, it doesn't visually change. But it'd be cool if, like, you could see some bolt-on missile pods with loads of missiles sticking out of them. And the same with being able to, uh, say, tweak the handling. You might get some extra fins appear on it, um, you know, or it changes in some way. And then as you level the ship up and it becomes, say, an elite ship... Um, I had the concept of elite ships through challenges in Beat Hazard 2, and people really liked them. But the only way you could get an elite ship was through the challenge. And people want to go, I want to be able to level my ship up to elite um, do through gameplay rather than through the challenge system. I think that's a great idea, so I'd like to put that in. In general, yeah, I'd like to make it... I sort of want to write um, a system where you can sort of find either upgrades or artifacts uh, on planets or in galaxies and then somehow combine or craft them to then create weapons that you put on the ships not fully got it clear in my head yet how it's going to work but i think you know that something along those lines would be i think really interesting yeah to make the progression feel even more meaningful yeah exactly yeah and then it's that also wanted to make it so i'm a massive fan of borderlands 
Um, and the, the gun system in Borderlands, I mean, that's almost where I got some of the ideas from Beat Hazard from. Is all these guns that get uh, generated, and some of them are um, uh, especially dumb. But it's, the, the problem was is that you get a lot of guns that are completely useless. And he's actually trying to, and I actually found that once you find a really good gun, you just sort of stick with it. And he's actually trying to come up with some game ideas that actually sort of went the other way, where you might have a favourite ship, but then there's maybe there's a point where you sort of maxed it out and you might swap to another ship. So you might have a whole host of favourite ones. It's a bit tricky to sort of balance because, um, but uh, if you know what I mean, not what you want with all this rich content that could be created, you sort of want people to use it and not just keep throwing them away. Um, uh, but trying to come up with systems that sort of lean in that direction, um, possibly even, you know, Having certain ships for certain circumstances might work. Um, yeah, still thinking about it. So, by that, do you mean something in the along the lines of, say, uh, a mosquito ship? Because they are smaller, they're fast. They might lean toward a certain play style yeah. that you could maybe upgrade with specific weapons to to lean even further into that specialization whereas opposed to say brute where uh you definitely want to lean into doing extra damage or having more beam slots for example yeah. uh, that sort of thing yeah definitely i mean there's there's also say for example i quite like the idea of adding asteroid fields into the uh galaxy mode so you can see an asteroid belt but i'm like well yeah, because already got asteroids in the game. Maybe certain levels are just loads of asteroids, and then like maybe they will come in the same direction. Um, but it's like a different sort of experience, and maybe that's where you go. Actually, I need to take my mosquito ship into that mess because I can dodge around the asteroids better. Um, and it's sort of you know maybe that trying to introduce some different sort of uh, types of level. Which which go you know which different ships do well at? Um, it's a bit tricky. Like you know, don't didn't want to come up with too many different variations. But but yeah, that that sort of feeling that a certain ship is good at certain things, and you can um, um, and you can tailor your ship to, to you know to, to craft it in that direction. David, I like where I, that's going. Yeah, David, I think you were saying you had a question. Yeah. Uh, First of all, I'm very nervous to actually speak with a developer of Beat Hazard. So, oh, stop! I need to breathe. I need to breathe. I'm just the guy. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so, don't worry. It's just an Englishman. He's just this guy, you know. He's just. <laughs> First of all, I, I I need to get the question out of the way for Beat Hazard One when it came up with the idea. Did you take an inspiration from AudioServe at the time? Well, it's, it's almost the opposite. Um, the game that inspired Beat Hazard was actually Geometry Wars. Um, oh. And I loved Geometry Wars. It was one of the first games, twin-stick shooters, I ever played. And I remember the first time I played it, I was like, this is crazy, I can't even control it. I thought, it's rubbish. Well, I gave it another go. Actually, I'm getting into this. And it just the, the, the visuals of that were great. And I think that's... And one day I was just sitting down and I thought, wouldn't it be great if if Geometry Wars had music going through it and the music changed the visuals and it was like, oh, and that's where Beat Hazard came from. And I remember then looking up uh, music-driven games 
and I saw this game called Audio Surf, and I, my heart sank because I was like, oh, it's already been done. And then when I looked at it and found that it was like, you know, it, sort of, it wasn't the same game at all, I was like, oh, great. Um, but then it was also inspiring to see that somebody had come up with a similar idea and it had been successful. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's the, was the sort of origins of Beat Hazard was Geometry Wars and then, yeah, Audio Surf sort of geeing me on thinking, yeah, I can make this game and people would, would want to play it. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's where it all came from. Also, when I played uh, Beat Hazard 1, I was like, oh, this is great. It's Audio Surf, but with guns, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, because I mean, Audio Surf, I mean, I don't know if... I think it must have been one of the original music-driven games. I mean, I, I don't know if there was anything before that. Um, and I even used the same audio library that he did because I downloaded his game and thought, what's he using to, to, to essentially, from a technical point of view, grab the sound and analyze it. And I saw that he uses um, Bass Audio Library, which is then, all right, I'll go and get, grab that. And uh, yeah, and that's what Beat Hazard 1 was built on. In fact, it's still in Beat Hazard 3. That, that it's, I still use it to do all the audio analysis. So it's come from the original game. That's very cool. Uh, I have another question here because uh, why I really like top-down space shooters, I, uh, I'm, I'm not that good at it. Let's just say that. There are there are two two D uh, top down space shooters that I hold very dear to my heart. Uh, those are Raptor, Call of the Shadows, and Turian. Uh, the reason for being is that you don't die in one shot. Can we get something like that in here? Yeah, we've actually we've had some discussions about this. Um, I mean, traditionally, Beat has has been a one shot uh, kill game. Um, with the procedurally generated spaceships, especially the big ones, someone was suggested the idea of bits coming off the ship um, and it becoming more disabled rather than just dying outright. Um, I think if you're going to go down that route, though, it'd be quite a big change. Um, oh, yeah, yeah I can imagine. The fundamental game is. Um, but it'd be so almost, I mean, this is sort of a wider uh, topic in a way, but. Music-driven games in general. I always, I mean, I think Beat Hazard Three is probably going to be the the last Beat Hazard, but it's not to say I couldn't do Beat Hazard Tower Defense or Beat Hazard, you know, racing game or some other a, a music-driven game in a, in a different genre. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, you couldn't do it in this game, but you could actually, in, in thinking about it, do it in a in a you know in a some sort of follow-up, or maybe you could do a it in a different of sorts. <laughs> same mm-hmm. universe, same. Yes, universe. please. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that working. That yeah. would be amazing. A first-person, a first-person rhythm shooter where you uh, board the ships of Beat Hazard and capture them. That's what I want. <laughs> that'd, that'd be crazy. <laughs> Seriously, it's some kind of arena shooter. Well, that would be interesting. Do you guys, uh, um, any Atari sort of computer fans, do you go that far back? Oh, I God, still yes. have an Atari 800 and yeah. Atari 800 XL. Oh, yeah. really? Uh, oh, that's what I'm saying. My, yeah, my okay. first machine was Pong back in 1970-something. Because <laughs> um, I don't know if you know it then, because on the Atari 800, there's a, there's a space game called Dreadnought Factor, and I absolutely mm. love this game. And there was... The spaceships were like essentially 10 screens long 
and you'd start at the bottom and you'd weave your way over and you'd have to try and take out the turrets and slowly you can take multiple runs at this spaceship and you try and cripple it and then destroy it before it got to the planet and blew it up. All right. In fact, you could just look it on YouTube probably. In fact, I might not even be there, but if you look at Dreadnought Factory, you'll probably find it somewhere. And it was like, this game's always stuck in my head and one of the things I felt like I wanted to do, like Beat Hazard Dreadnoughts, where you got these absolutely massive spaceships um, that you fly over and weave in and out of and take out to music, and maybe, or maybe you do it as a team, uh, or maybe even takes like a week to, to blow up this huge thing. Um, but it, the um, you know that that idea oh. of taking on something just absolutely—it's a bit like the the old um, um, you know Death Star thing, where it's all just 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 unimaginable size. But instead of just blowing up with one shot, you, you've got to take it down over you know. Um, a lot of a lot of time. Wow, you know, I, I, this looks really. I never played this. It came out in '83 for the. Oh, if you got an emulator, have a go. It's, it, I will. I mean, yeah, it plays well now. It's really I, good. It looks great. It looks like yeah, uh, it great yeah. It came out for the Atari 5200, the 8-bit systems, and Intellivision back in 1983. Oh. And this looks really freaking cool. I'm looking at it on Moby Games. It's a great game. Yeah, I'm yeah, I've clicked it already. It was a very really great game, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I could totally see this being a Beat Hazard spinoff. <laughs> Each section <laughs> well, of the battleship. What, you still have the yeah, you still have the twin stick, but you are flying over the dreadnought. And each section yeah. is a song, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where because I'm now on. I mean, I, I don't. I assume you guys have seen how capable Unreal Five is. I'm like, yeah. ooh. Real five, big spaceships, lots of you know, lots of shooting. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, even even as top down, it doesn't even have to be fully. Yeah, oh, yeah. you can still yeah. be top down and doing the same sort of gameplay. Yeah, definitely. I think you keep it uh, essentially like two D um, um, playing aspect, but over yeah, some because I think as soon as you go sort of cockpit view, it completely changes, doesn't it? It's um, you know, first person. I, I much rather have the, the third person view so I get to see uh, the cool spaceship instead of just sort of flying past it really quickly. Um, I do have one question, and uh, and it's actually not what everybody thinks probably it's going to be, but this will show my ignorance because I'm a project manager and not a programmer, but uh, Beat Hazard 2 is on Android. Uh, is there any way that you'll ever have it, Beat Hazard 3 on Android? No, unfortunately. Um, and the reason I say no is is I did mobile ports and they're an absolute nightmare. Oh. And it's a real shame. It's a real shame. It's from a technical point of view, it's so painful. Um, oh, and no. even now I get people, uh, you know, I've bought your game and when I run it, it runs in landscape mode instead of portrait. And I'm like, well, that's because the, the Android... OS has changed and now my game doesn't work properly with it. Like B Hazard One, which was written thirteen years ago, still runs on Windows right now. It's like whereas if you try and run a, a game that's a couple of years old on Android or iOS and it, it doesn't work properly and it's constant battle to try and keep the thing compatible. Oh. And also, I mean um I don't I think Unreal Engine's pretty good on mobile. I don't know whether it would deal well with um um my game or whether it would just chug along 
um, but it's just they 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 make developments so difficult. And a palm is like, well, I could either write a new game or I could spend you know three or four months trying to port over to uh, Android and iOS. And the other problem is, you know, Open Mic doesn't work on on mobile get on mobile phones. Yeah, that's so not work. you want to get Galaxy mode and all that stuff. And they've even made it really difficult if you. Again, it goes back to how many people have MP3s on the phone. Like, it's getting fewer and fewer. And even people that do have MP3s on their phone, for some reason, it's really difficult to access them. And sometimes it seems to work, and other times it doesn't. And for the life of me, someone will go, I've got an Android such such phone, it doesn't work. I'm like, I have no idea why it doesn't work, and I've got no idea how to debug that unless I go and buy that phone. And it's really difficult. And it's a real shame, you know, because I, you know, I like playing games on my phone. And the phones these days are so capable. Um, but it's just, um, you know, because I'm just one guy doing it, um, it's, it just it sucks the time out of you. Um, so probably not. Uh, if I, well, I guess that's because that's, see, the, one of the first questions I ask myself is like, well, hey, I wonder if this can be played uh, mobile. And I have a lot of MP3s on my phone and they work just mm-hmm. fine. And uh, I guess I had visions of like turning this on to open mic and playing it dur- during a boring business meeting and see how it would flash to all the. Uh, but I, I th- the only reason it came to mind is because I didn't notice that the second one was on and I haven't actually tried it. But can I also ask you, because sometimes it's like the answer is just, ah, it sounded good. But sometimes there's a story behind it. Why Cold Beam? Oh, well, the story behind that is try and find a, a, a website that's not already been taken. <laughs> it was like, fair. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. Literally. Oh, man. I was like, right, oh, first man. of all, single word, forget about it. Like, such and such game, no. Then so I wrote down what I thought were some quite cool words and just stuck them together in different combinations and just kept banging them into websites. And loads of them came up. Um, and Cole Beam just, just, I thought that sounds quite good, and it didn't exist anywhere. So, nice. Uh, that's where it came from. Well, yeah. I certainly understand that because the question I get on Twitch a lot is, "Oh, why J O O L E E?" I said that's the only spelling of my name that it would take. <laughs> I ran to a domain the other. I ran to a domain the other day in my course of my work that was only two letters, and I'm and I'm like, how? So I looked up the who is. On it, and they registered it in like '94. Like, oh yeah, that's yeah. how. <laughs> yeah. Only yeah. way. If we knew then what we know now. We oh my god! Just, right. Be yeah, I know. I know. It seems so obvious now. Yeah, register all, all oh obvious words. Like I tried. Later. I tried to get my name on my for my domain, and I, I tried to get a domain of my name, and someone got it two years before I even thought about it. <laughs> Because yeah. there are a lot of Brian Rubens out there. A lot of Brian yeah. Rubens out there. <laughs> <laughs> and some guy. It's going to get harder, isn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> Just <laughs> That's why all these company names now are like Skeezy, S-K-E-Z-Z-Y-I-E or some, you know, like all these crazy ass because they have to. Well, you know, you never know if it's like, oh, well, you know, my uncle built cold beam lasers or something, you know. So. 
Yeah, it, I, the I, the, re, the weird thing that stuck in my mind where that name come from was um, I'm a big Battlefield fan, and it was Frostbite, wasn't it? Who and for some reason that the thing of cold and and I was sort of thinking of a cold laser exactly, like that, and cold beam sort of, and but that's where it sort of came from was Frostbite, and I was like writing words down related to that, so that sounded cool. Um, so, but yeah, it was just more of a sort of a, a, a search for something unique that sounded reasonably good. Um, First two things I thought about was cold beam lasers. Oh, beam dog. Oh. What? <laughs> no, cold beam is a cool name. It's I'm, I'm shocked you were able to get it. That is a cool collect. That is a cool two words. You know. I also I ought to add it to the game, really. This should be a cold beam weapon. Oh God! Yeah, why isn't there? Oh my God! To, free, to freeze yeah. enemies. Yeah, yeah, that'd be quite cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that could be an artifact that you find. A new weapon yeah. type. The cold sure. beam. <laughs> yeah, it could be like at the center of a galaxy where there's a black hole. We've got the cold beam alien technology or something like that. And there's a guy that gives you I one. Like wi- and there's a guy that gives you one wish, but you have to get there first. Or whatever the hell that was in the maybe it's stupid, but I just I really liked the name and I was curious. No, that's, that's a good question. No, that's a that's a, that's a great question. Every now and then we've had developers on and there really is a story behind it. And and Julie, I appreciate you asking those questions because I'm always like, I want to talk about the map. I want to talk about the game. I want to talk about the ships. And you're and I really appreciate that you're the one that thinks of. I want to talk about the company. And I want to talk about the person. See, I, I haven't asked this at this point because, uh, well, you know, we're way Julie? past time. No, I don't and, think she's oh, gonna. No, we already talked about it's not talking about mobile. See, the the other thing I usually ask is the kind of thing that, you know, some people just wake up and say, "Oh, hey, yeah, I know video games," you know, and I I happen to know one person who's really high up in the game development company as a as a senior producer, and he, he started out as an ichthyologist, so you never know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people come from all over the place, don't they? These days. <laughs> There are lots of people going, I'm jacking in, I'm going to be an indie developer. Um, and off you go. But what got you started? Oh, I've been writing games since I was 10. I started Ooh. on ZX80, and then my first game, if I can look this up as well, was uh, River Valley on the Atari 800. You can actually download that and put, run it on an emulator. Um, and then, so I did that, and I was just bedroom coding, managed to get a couple of things published. Uh, did computing at university, and then I got a phone call out of the blue from one of my friends who'd graduated saying, do you want to come and write, write games? And I went, yeah, all right. And, and we uh, worked for a company called DID, which wrote uh, Flight Simulator. Wait a minute, wait, called- stop. Wait, hold on, just, a, oh my God. <laughs> EF2000 is my favorite yeah. flight sim. Did you work on, on that one? Did you work on that? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. What? <laughs> well, that's a plot What did you just say? Moment. No way. No way now. Okay. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Okay. Okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> It's not me well, who's spent the time ventilating that. Most people I talk to never heard of any of this sort of thing because oh, you know, it's so old. Oh, no, uh, no, no. I, I, 
No, I. We're all monumental fucking nerds here. Oh, so it's, oh. <laughs> and, and Brian spent several months earlier this year just playing classic flight sims. Yeah, from the nineties. So that's included in that list. TFX, Ooh. EF two thousand, Total Air War, F twenty two, ADF. I've got them all. Yeah. I was the lead designer on Total Air War. That was oh. cool. I love, um, what? Oh, Thank you for your service. Stop. <laughs> Oh my god. I, I how did oh gee okay, we gotta start asking this earlier in the podcast. Okay, <laughs> guys, from now on, we have to start because holy holy oh god, because I EF two thousand I think is probably the best mix of accessibility and, and playability and replayability of any flight sim, I think. I it's yeah. so magical and to hear that Okay, I'm all right. I'm okay. <laughs> I apologize for not bringing. No, no, do not one apologize. The, we gotta ask this. One here. of the first things I always do when we have a guest is I go out there and I say, "Okay, who's the person? What's their history? Where did they start out?" Sometimes I can find a lot, uh, and of course, I found the the Moby Games. But you know, it's like, yeah, wow, hey, yeah, it was good times that. Good times. Oh, my mm. God. No. See, a lot of developers we talk to don't go back that far. And Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit... Because when someone said the other day, I'm a veteran game designer. I've been doing it for 12 years. I'm like, actually, I've been doing it for like 30. Oh, my so God. Like, I don't know what... I, don't know, I mean, veteran doesn't necessarily mean time, obviously. But I thought it made me feel really old. <laughs> but I thought, yeah, the... Uh, I mean, this is why I like um, you know, this chatting to people that have got a bit, you know, like go all the way back to the Atari days and stuff. They got proper. Um, there's such a history, isn't there? Oh my God, there is so much history. Yeah. Like, 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 yeah. yeah early, earlier this year, I played uh, through a bunch of old flight sims, and now I'm doing it every Friday. I started with F19, uh, Stealth Fighter, the Microprose Pros game, and I'm eventually going to do yeah. EF2000. Um, that's my on my list. I, I I played. Yeah, I used to play those as well. I used to love those. Yeah, um, still do. Oh my god, they hold up so well. Yeah, and I used to be a proper like. And obviously, after working at DID, I was a proper weapon. I knew all the different aircraft, different weapons. Those are those crazy stories. I went to work at um, the Defence Research Agency in Malvern. Actually, I don't know if I can tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. That's, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's, okay. that's 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 not. Oh my god. Okay. Oh oh, oh my god. Okay. Um, we have to. Uh, yeah, Julie. We have to try and remember to start asking this form of question earlier in the show because though the problem that there is if we had asked this earlier in the show, the whole show would have derailed into EF two thousand slash total air war to, yeah. total air war talk, and and that's no, not. <laughs> I can come back and do it. Yeah, retro, maybe, maybe because. Oh my god! Because I mean, I have all the did games, even um, even uh, Eurofighter Typhoon, and uh, the yeah. um, and the yeah. expansion. Um, Ice Operation Icebreaker. 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 Yes, Icebreaker. yes. Yeah. Not as good as EF two thousand, but not bad. Just came yeah, out. Yeah. Just came out the wrong time. Sadly. Um, yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god! <laughs> as soon as you mentioned digital images, right. I'm like, ah, 
Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it is also hard to find people who worked on stuff back in those days. Like I've, yeah, I've it's funny I can introduce you to a lot of them because all the guys that I used to work with um, at DID, we went through various phases of being bought out, being made redundant and then making new companies. And we all sort of, because we knew each other, we sort of all stuck together um, I mean, we sort of fragmented quite a lot now, but there's there's a lot of people that um, who, in fact, Don Whiteford, who was the producer on EF2000, now has got a company called Nomad Games, and he's doing talisman um, board game, digital board games. He's what? The, the guys that worked with him, uh, uh, Rob Anderson is the guy who worked on EF2000, and a couple of other guys who came in a bit later, some of the artists... Uh, a guy called Andy Bates still there. Donna Jennett still there. Um, yeah, there's loads of them. Uh, all the F2000 lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them are still doing game dev. Oh, my God. That's, yeah. Please invite them to our Discord. We would love to talk to them about all these old flight sims. Cause Literally every single one. A, a lot of us, a lot of us, we're not all just space game fans. There's a lot of crossover between uh, our community and, like, older flight sims and whatnot. We all... Yeah. We all love those old flight sims and DID made like, I think DID microprose and digital integration are probably my favorites. I just, is what's the current, cause this is like, the irony is being doing games all the time is I don't get to play many. And I was chatting to someone cause total air Wars got a special place for me uh, because of what, how, how it all came about and how I worked on it. But it's one of these things like this uh, dynamic campaign thing is something that go, I reckon it just, do people do that at the moment? Because I'm sure I could do a dynamic campaign, but just with spaceships um, instead of aircraft. Oh, and I thought I don't know whether that was a golden era of that sort of game, and it's sort of sort of petered out. Or whether it did. It did. A joystick, I don't know about joystick games did peter out after the late '90s because uh, I I blame consoles, really. Yeah, um, point. Yeah, but. Uh, but yeah, uh, the dynamic campaign, especially of those 80s and 90s Sims, like the DID campaigns and the digital integration campaigns and yeah. uh, and uh, the microprose campaigns. I mean, you only have a couple Sims now that are doing it, like uh, Wings Over Flanders Fields uh, is amazing. Um, the IL-2 games are getting better at this. Uh, Battle of Britain 2 does a very good job of this, but it's, it's not as... Not as big a deal as it used to be, sadly. But. I guess in those days, it's because it's all single player, wasn't it? So you had to yeah. have the AI yeah. take over. Whereas these days, you can throw it all online and have just massive. Yeah, exactly. And and the and yeah. the thing is, there was never. There's only like one or two space games that adopted a similar formula to like EF2000 or Falcon. That was Star Shatter, yeah. which was a space game that had a EF2000 style dynamic campaign. Um, but that was it. That's the only one. Yeah. So if you want to make a, if you want to, if you want to bring your flight sim expertise to the space sim realm and make a cockpit shooter with a dynamic campaign, I would love you forever. Oh my god! If you make total, if you make total air <laughs> oh war in god. space, if you made total air yes. war in space, holy yeah. freaking Jesus! <laughs> that's, that's one of the things that was crossing crossing my mind was like wouldn't that be cool yes yes that would be very very much so <laughs> oh my god 
I buy it. Uh, how much money do you need? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kick, <laughs> exactly. Kickstarter when? Kick, yeah, Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. I will back your to top tier level. Uh, if the top tier level includes a flight out to England to meet you, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my god. Okay, we got to wrap this up. We're go. We go. We're going long, and there are people in Europe who who it's getting late. Um, I just have one more question not. before we wrap up. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, there was mod support in in uh, two. Will there be mod support in three? What, what sort of mods are in two? You mean oh, uh, I mean Steam Workshop? Yeah, Workshop. Yeah, Workshop so that you can bring in your own designs or, ah, or um, at of- the moment there isn't any, and that would probably be down to whether I whether I do it or not is. It's essentially just going to come down to the to the players. If you know, if there's a big demand for it, um, I'd, I'd put it in. And this is, but this is sort of the problem is, as we've been talking about Galaxy and all the different things you could do, is then you know where do I focus my time? Is should I do that? Mm. Should I do things like workshop? So it's yeah. always it's not like it can't be done. It's more as a solo developer. What yeah. you know, and this is why I want to do early access. Is where. I need to get a feel of where I should focus my time um, and what people want. And obviously that's sort of an organic thing as well because people don't know what they want until they play it and, you know, we sort of bounce ideas off each other. I mean, just chatting to you guys has given me some uh, cool feedback and some uh, bit of inspiration. So it's like, yeah, it would be slightly trickier in that uh, we'd be as a two, just bring a sprite in and, and replace the ship with the sprite because it's now all 3D is... You know, you could you could have it so you, if if someone knows how to make three D objects, you could just import that three D object and have that as your ship, um, which might be cool. Or you could have um, essentially give all the pieces that the game uses to the player, and you go, well, you just bolt together the ship that you want, uh, and that's your ship. So you don't necessarily so a ship editor. The nice thing might be as a two though. You've got like cats, like someone's done a cat or a dinosaur, and you can have really crazy stuff <laughs> like that as a spaceship. Whereas, obviously, if you just got the game content, you can't create, you couldn't create a cat from it. Um, but that's maybe just the limitation of, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, of what it would have to be. But yeah, it, it, like I say, it's, um, there's, there's so much, it's sort of like, I find it crazy that essentially it's just twin stick shoot. It's really simple. But yeah, when you start pulling it apart, there's so much stuff that you could do with it. Um, it's almost endless. And now, yeah, all I need to do is try and, um, Figure out, you know, with 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 people's feedback, what's the best, you know, most useful, most popular sort of things to add to the game. Well, I love the map mode. That's um, please, please more map mode stuff. That's my favorite. I love it so <laughs> yeah. much. I want more. I want more there. Uh, so yeah, we, with, it, with the workshop, I was gonna say just real quick. It the fold mechanic makes things interesting. So uh, that was the one concern that I had when with. Uh, importing ships is how that was going to work with folding because it wouldn't really be visually possible unless it's a 3d model but yeah uh i mean you could you could have if you want i mean you could you could if you really wanted to go down the sprite route and just let people bring sprites in uh, and just have two sprites you go well i have a folded sprite and a non-folded sprite and and just blend between the two or something you could it sort of depends what people want if you want to go down more the silly route and have cats flying around with lasers coming out of their eyes, then just, then just import sprites. Whereas if you want to maybe be a bit more serious, no, I actually want to build a 3D spaceship using the game parts. You know, it's like you could, you could do it at those two different angles. And, um, you know, I mean, people probably say they want both. 
<laughs> Given the choice, I want both. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm having audio yeah. issues, so I got to start wrapping up. Um, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to come on to not only talk about Beat Hazard 3, but blow my mind about digital integration design. Oh, my God. Uh, we have to talk to you more about that, by the way. Oh, my God. We're, 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 we're going to pick your brain. So, folks, Beat Hazard 3 comes out in early access next week on Monday the 14th. Uh, uh, so definitely keep an eye on it. It's amazing. It's got so much stuff to it and it's got, it's got scalable difficulty. It's got a map mode. It's got an arcade mode. It's it, like, you can play this forever and it, it, it plays your songs. It plays Spotify songs. It's, it's amazing. Uh, so next week on the show, we're probably going to do a topic. I don't know what it is yet. We're working on it. Uh, but we'll definitely do a fun topic next week. Uh, but that is going to do it for today. Chat, thank you very much uh, for being as active as you were. You did great today. And with that, we'll see you next time. Have a great one, everyone. Bye-bye.